0: Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, holiday Friday in England and the UK. Um, second one of these I've done on a Holiday Friday, so uh, that, that, that gives us a kind of a lockdown uh, schedule and timetable. It's sort of getting increasingly particularly as we're in episode eight as well of High Performance Survival. to um, have a change of theme next week, but I'll talk to you about that at the end. And uh, so I'm delighted to finish off the current focus of High Performance Survival um, with one of the people who I first sent the article to that inspired this podcast which is about shifting into a survival mindset and really looking forward to chatting with Barry Moore VP Global Key Cities at Adidas. Um, Barry, afternoon, welcome, thank you for being the final guest on the high performance survival phase of the Friday podcast and uh, how, how's things with you, how's, uh, how's uh, your Friday, how are you today?
1: Yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, it's obviously, um, yeah, great to join you on this. And then, uh, it's, it's not a bank holiday, um, for Adidas in Germany. So, uh, I'm still, it's still a normal working day for me today.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, and that, that context is going to be really useful for us today in terms of kind of leading across the time zones and some of the sort of, uh, typical challenges that you get when we're not in lockdown, but also I guess some of the learnings from that as well. So, um, uh, uh, Really sort of interesting sort of reference point today as well, because I, I want to I start when Barry and I were speaking quite a few weeks ago, one of the first messages that um, I got from him when we were getting ready to go into lockdown was, well, personally, I've just been in a meeting Uh, where we think there might have been someone who had sort of coronavirus. uh, So I'm off into lockdown for a while. So um, that that was the start of your lockdown, Barry, I guess. Was was, was there anything sort of um, specific for you having to isolate that early um, and actually sort of having to be on your own, sort of, you know, away from the norm, sort of a pretty quick change, wasn't it, from sort of pretty much business as usual into isolation? Was, Was there anything particular for you in that time that was particularly uh interesting challenging what what are your reflections on that did that have any
1: impact on you yeah really interesting experience to be honest with you um from both a professional and personal perspective um i'll probably give you the personal one first just as sort of a a sort of soft intro and this was right at the beginning and no no one had been on lockdown lockdown wasn't even a a, a kind of question for some reason you know we in europe and we around the world just thought it was a china thing that was going on And so this was the first time that actually there was a sense that this, this could um, escalate and and spread. So when we got, when I got a call to say, Hey, look, you've been in a meeting with someone It's the first employee within the whole of the Adidas company um, outside of Asia to to have symptoms and be tested positive. I had to go and isolate for 14 days. Um, um, But at that stage you, you couldn't really tell anyone. Um, because it was, wouldn't really, well, A, it, it would cause a bit of panic because we didn't understand it enough. It wasn't common in, in Europe. It wasn't common in the UK. So mm-hmm. the risk was if you go and tell people, then everyone who's seen me over the last three or four days will suddenly panic. Mm-hmm. And then from a personal perspective, as I say, that's the, the first start of that is that, um, yeah, I've got three young boys and uh, 13, 11 and eight. So I had to live in the living room and uh, lucky enough to be able to have that space that I can go into and um, the two older ones I could explain to say look you know I just need to be in here and you can't come in and I can't come out uh, but the little one didn't understand um, and we didn't actually want to tell him because we were worried that he would go to school and be paranoid or worried about you know he might hear something and suddenly think that either i would got it or that you know he was some sort of um, you know uh, he was in some sort of danger so we have to we have to act out a charade that I had a, a very important business topic, a huge project that required me to be in lockdown um, and isolation, and it needed no distractions. So I, I don't know what he thought this project was that required my, you know. Uh, full attention for uh, 14 days um, and then in terms of the things on that I definitely you know myself my life in terms of just having a really clear we had to constantly analyze and, and think about what we were saying what we were doing mm-hmm. and and how we kind of um, made the right decision to protect people from, from either by not telling them something or on certain occasions actually yeah divulge and, and inform people to to make sure that we were being transparent when needed and and that was a really interesting kind of measure of, you know, when's knowledge actually more harmful than it is good. Yeah. Um, from a professional perspective, uh, just the, I would say, it just really heightened the senses of, you, you know, you're in, a, you're in one room for 24 hours. You don't want the day to drag. You don't want to become, you know, kind of cabin fevered. So just some really heightened awareness of time planning, kind of compartmentalizing, you know, uh, making sure that all the things that we're doing probably now, uh, as people work from home, having a start to the day, end of the working day. And that's really, you know, I work in a global role. So obviously, you know, I've got people in LA and New York and I've got people in Shanghai and Tokyo. So the working day could be um, 24 hours a day if I wanted to. So just making sure that we called, I called sort of really clear boundaries and um, tried to be effective, Uh, tried to get some jobs done that had been put off. So uh, did some personal tasks in, in some downtime that have been put off, and, uh, for example, creating some family photo albums. Um, my third son was berating me for the fact that he doesn't appear in many photo albums because since having him, we've had no time to do it. But apparently that's a sign that he's our least favorite. So, managed to um, correct that, and he's now features, he features heavily, sorry, in lots of photo albums.
0: Yeah, no, cool, that's good. And, and that, the, the global role that you mentioned as well. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm really interested in that you know, because obviously that global sort of responsibility as you go into your personal isolation and there's obviously a lot of stuff going on at slightly different, you know, staggered points in, in the rest of the world as well. Was, was there, um, uh, were you able to carry on with business as usual or was it, you know, h- how were you tackling that kind of global ripple of change that was happening at the time as well? Because that must have been pretty interesting challenge for you.
1: Yeah, massive, um, and still is. Um, you know, we we actually started off by, as I say, categorizing sort of Shanghai as being the most affected. Then very quickly, Yoshi, then Tokyo, um, 50% of the tourists that are in Tokyo are, are from China.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that very quickly became impacted. Um, and we started to actually see that that market over there is heavily owned retail dominated. So, of course, all the stores were, were closed very quickly. Um, we then have seen, obviously, it now move through to Europe into into the US, but mm. we're trying to take learnings from the, the Asia Pacific team because they're actually coming back out of it now. Um, 100% of the stores are, are back open Right. Um, where they are. The, the traffic's not back yet, but the store operationally, uh, they're there, reduced hours, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we're trying to learn from them in terms of what they've done and what they've learned about that. Um, but obviously, government regulations, government guidelines, um, working sort of stipulations that are different around the world. So um, wh- what we're trying to do is, and, and this is one of the things that we're trying to balance at the minute, which is uh, how operationally um, you know, effective can we be? Mm-hmm. Um, versus then looking at you know, the more sort of strategic elements of my role, which is about setting ourselves up for future success and making sure that upstream and early on in all the, fr- all the processes that we have as a company, that we're still prioritizing the cities, which is what I look after um, within the, the future planning, knowing that operationally right now, when you go into a crisis management mode, each country and each market has got their own kind of crisis management teams obviously they're being coordinated by global but the things i'm sort of realizing is that we need to let the the global side of things manage the crisis management and that needs to be consistent and it needs to be clear and a lot of what i'm doing at the minute is actually not stepping into those conversations to not muddy any waters and to not um, try to give uh, conflicting messages by accident so it's a real if you like test of wanting to help wanting to ensure that your particular part of the brand strategy is still being delivered or is you know being um, considered but at the same time knowing when to just uh, leave it alone and appreciate that now is not the time
0: yeah yeah and are you, are you getting a sense that actually some of the sort of relationships with the different sort of parts of the global role that you're playing are you you sort of seeing the way that things are working do you think that's going to sort of change things for how you sort of interact sort of you know normally so you know it's a bit exchange of intelligence has there been a different sense of working that you think is going to kind of influence the way things go forward you know just just interested in that description you gave about the kind of crisis management is there stuff you're seeing that encourages you that you're going to be able to sort of move things to an even better place in terms of proactive communication, collaboration across, across the global role as well?
1: Oh, hugely. Um, I mean, I think we're all experiencing on our per- personal lives and private lives. We're probably now more connected to people that um, we haven't made connections with uh, in the past, whether it's a bunch of university friends or family around the world or whoever it might be um you know we we had rhythms and cadences and we had you know kind of uh monthly meetings or what whatever quarterly reviews we had all those things in place but now what we're finding is that yeah there's definitely a huge appetite to be able to um to share the uh, you know experience knowledge learnings so um you know the, the phone calls that we set up maybe on a quarterly basis where we've got i've got six um gms who look after the six cities um, and no one else in the company has got a view or has got, have got the parameters that they live. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they live and they, they work independently quite a lot of the time. Um, so actually to, to come together and actually have a, a conversation with each other about what they're doing, the, the markets are obviously different. The, you know, the, the, the channels are different, the, uh, the setups are different, uh, the culture is different. Obviously that's the way of the world. But um, I think it's been really helpful and practical for them to just share and some knowledge and some some experience and even just a little bit of um probably the discussion that's been most helpful is what what can they change right. versus what they can't and therefore you know that that old you know kind of you know accepting that you can't change some things but knowing that there's there's some things that you should still try and push on and we're all sharing that from from my side you know to be a strategic priority of the business really gives us all the reason to still have a voice and have a huge impact in in everyone's working lifestyle, but knowing when to push um, that and when to say, actually, hold on a minute, we, we need to reframe that in a different way.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's really fascinating just thinking about your role and that, again, that ripple effect of sort of, you know, going into lockdown and then coming out of it a slightly different phase is, you know, is, um, is, is that pulling you in lots of different places where you're kind of, you know, you're, you're obviously reopening stuff and, you know, things are getting live again in certain places whilst there's still speculation in other places as to what's happening when? How are you managing that kind of differentiated playing field, which is even more differentiated perhaps than it, than it normally is?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, our, our jobs, our role is really exciting anyway, because we, we cover across the whole business our our job is to make sure that we embed cities as the lens through which we we do business Mm -hmm. um you know and that means that if you're a market uh, or a country then we're asking you to think about how you're focusing on a city if you're a global category again whatever category it might be every single category from sport to, to street to fashion we're asking them to think about cities and the consumers and the needs so we, we go across from, you know, from sales into brand, into even the processes. Um, so what's important right now is actually, you know, trying to sort of make sure that the conversations we're having with global, just stay consistent in terms of we're not asking for anything radically different or radically new. Um we are, we are looking for, if you like, the, the way to frame that conversation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So for us, one of the things we're framing is like if, you know, when we start to look to recover from this pandemic, we believe that cities need to play a key role in uh, acting as catalysts so and that's really interesting because you know cities have got some of the toughest lockdown measures
2: yeah
1: yeah um they've got some of the highest rates because of the proximity of living and of all the sort of good, good stuff that you are probably be able to deduce um and we've actually got some of that you know the uh, the highest um density of retail mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, the lockdown restrictions um, are going to probably affect us. they haven't affected us most. Tourism plays a huge role and that's not going to come back anytime soon. So the role that we're trying to play with the the business, uh, the partners around the business, we're just trying to be consistent with everybody and whether it's the team that are responsible for the stores. And when we say to them, look, when we're ready to reopen again, how do we make sure that we have a, a city's lens through it? And we're consistent with the marketing team who are saying, look, for example, marketing spend and marketing activities paused for now, mm-hmm. how do we have the same conversation with them to say, well, when we do get ready to go back in again, you know, what role do cities play in a way that is helpful? Yeah.
2: Um,
1: you know, it, it's, it's, it's trying to not just bang, bang any old drum. We're trying to kind of make sure that we, we kind of offer the role of cities first and then start to then see how can that be applied to what they're trying to then do. You know, if you're trying to reduce our marketing spend, you know buying media in cities is the most expensive media you can buy so naturally there's a little bit of a well, that doesn't really work so we've just got to make sure that we're sympathetic to everyone's working conditions and the environment but at the same time be consistent with the role that we're we're being asked to play as a business
0: yeah yeah i, I think that's quite interesting you know we, we, we've had the, we've had a sort of real kind of deep practice of being sympathetic and compassionate towards self and each other so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that how that continues and i, I I'm, I'm interested in just thinking about, you know, the concept of leaders, you know, seeking to be sort of, you know, a consistent factor in a pretty dynamic and changing environment. And, And I'm wondering from your leadership point of view, has there been any existing philosophy or leadership habits or things that have been particularly useful for you to kind of keep that sense of consistency for you to be able to lead Feeling confident, in control. Has there been any particular approaches, habits that you've found particularly
1: useful in the last couple of months? Um, yeah, I mean, we we as a team have got some uh, some really good habits um, that work for us. You know, I think uh, habits are only effective if they work for the the group. Um, and our habits are very much we already had what we call it as uh, uh, our whiteboard, um, and that's that's obviously just another way of expressing what our priorities are. Mm -hmm. so we'd already as a team been really clear about ultimately if we you know we're trying to deliver some success in cities, that's you know that that needs to have some contributing initiatives and factors so we we just looked at that whiteboard and just said look you know those don't change but we just now need to say whether we are um, still landing them Um, are we actually um, pausing or pivoting and or and the third part is you know what do we still need to just carry on doing to set up for the future and um, whatever the future may be so we're talking 2021 and beyond so the, the leadership for me is and it sounds really uh sounds really dull um but it's just practical yeah um just try to be you know i think generally i'm i'm practically minded in terms of um yeah just trying to concentrate on what can be done and be really clear about what's important what's not um, be transparent. I mean, that one of the first things that we did was create just a one pager to show all those priorities and all those important factors and, and categorize as being either land, setup, or pivot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that when we went out to all the business holders and partners that we work with, we sort of showed that and said, look, here's the way we see it. Um, and the setup part in particular for future seasons is one that doesn't need to be paused and needs full attention now. Especially as um, we want to make sure that, as we said, cities play a role in that catalyst effect and, and speeding up recovery. So the um, the leadership styles. I mean, I'm I'm really lucky that the the, the team that I have, are fantastic and are highly energetic, highly engaged,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but also very emotionally intelligent in terms of knowing knowing how to approach lots of different people with lots of different um, pressures on them right now. Um, and for us, just uh, just making sure that we stay connected together as a team yeah. um, that's been really important uh, but it wasn't something that we've needed to pay extra attention to it was just more about the fact that we make sure that the meetings that we're putting in place are then if you like serving that whiteboard yeah so we're not putting meetings that don't need to be in we're not trying to sort of chase things that don't need to be chased so uh, leadership wise um, the, the other side of things is the practical is one whiteboard priorities um, but the other side of me is optimistic,
0: right?
1: Okay. I mean, that's, that's been a huge, from my side, I'm, I'm lucky that I think that's already my general default setting, mm-hmm. um, which sometimes is good. And sometimes I need some help with people with a bit more of that healthy paranoia side of things to yeah. say, what if it doesn't go right? But I think it's really important to be optimistic, um, and to really set that tone with the team. And it's not a false hope. We're not um, you know, we're not kind of we're not kind of glossing over it and we're not trying to pretend that everything's fine. That's that's not being optimistic. Um optimistic is just about, you know, that we can we still have important work to do. Yeah. We still need to make sure that we have our priorities straight and that means that, you know, our personal lives at this stage do come first. Um, but also that from an optimistic perspective that cities can play a huge role going forward. So I think that optimism is, is, is important um, and that the way that you talk is, has an air of, of confidence about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's really clear. And, and I think, you know, un- understanding your sort of default and being able to get that balance of where do I personally stick and where do I twist, that, you know, that feels like a really important sort of, you know, confidence to know what your norm is and, and how it's going to be really relevant as well. And, I, you know, I, I was wondering as well, sort of leading within the context of a specific culture, and, and within a specific kind of, you know, within Adidas, there's, there's some really clear leadership principles that are shared across the business. There's some really clear kind of cultural beliefs and there's there's some messaging that is very consistent across Adidas. Has, has that helped you or has, has that helped you be interactive with other colleagues? Have you felt the kind of culture piece and the leadership principles piece provide a, a different value or a specific value during this
1: time? I think what that's given us all as a company over the last couple of years is a common language.
2: Right.
1: And 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 that that, you know, because a culture is, you know, it's, it's you know, everyone's got kind of um if you like commandments or, or, or kind of philosophies or kind of keywords and key traits, et cetera, et cetera. So um but what it what it means is that at at a time where people's emotionals, emotional situations may be slightly different. Um, you know, certain words do trigger certain responses, which kind of, in my mind anyway, has given us a safe zone to operate within. So even though there's lots of change and complexity and, and concern within the business right now, both on a personal level and, and as a business, you know, as a business, there's, there's you know, a huge business, a very successful business. But, you know, with, with 70% of our doors closed right now, you know, there's there's huge uncertainty around it could be uncertainty around what, what comes next. But a, we've got the confidence in our leadership team and our business that things are going to be fine, and b, we've got this common language that allows us to still interact with each other that almost provides a little bit of a security blanket or a a, a way of digesting information right now that allows it to feel normal.
2: Right.
1: So you know, by allowing to say, look, you know, we need to talk about the, you know, if it's collaboration, if it's about confidence, and if it's about then winning the consumer. you know, all the various ambitions and our strategy has always been laid out really clearly. Mm-hmm. And what the, the the leadership team are doing really well is being um, really clear about the fact that the the strategy doesn't change, but also being really clear about the operational um, uh, restraints. So I think the, the leadership framework we've got as a team has just made us all feel that, you know, we we work for a company that is very solid and safe. And that if someone's talking to you or someone's talking to me, um and needs support or needs interaction on a certain topic um then there's there's the, the belief that it's it's the right thing to talk about
0: yeah yeah and uh, you yeah, know that 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 feels particularly important given sort of you know 60,000 plus people across the globe sort of you know w- within that who are part of that culture contributing to that culture and and you know as, as you say trying to make things feel normal now i did i think it's a really interesting time for the strength of a culture of a business and, and, you know, how everything plays together as well, you know, and whether that culture is kind of shown outwardly to the consumer so that the consumer kind of sees what the people are living internally as well. You know, it feels that's that's particularly important as as well. And have, have you noticed within those leadership principles that, you know, I think collaboration is is one of them we've mentioned a little bit. Um, of that. I'm, 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 I've been talking to a lot of people about seeking support, that kind of collaboration to sit, you know, in order to kind of feel supported. Have, have you sort of sought any particular support that has been helpful for you, you know, as you've gone through this as well? Have you been more sort of proactive in asking for stuff or have you kind of felt you've been giving more? What, what, what's the collaboration balance felt like for you?
1: Yeah, no, the collaboration's been um, taking on a completely new dimension collaboration in a big company like ours collaboration can always be well I've got my area to look after mm-hmm. and what I'm doing is I'm coming to you and you've got your area to look after and we're kind of trying to see whether we kind of interface um, but I'm still in my area and you're still in your area now obviously then at some points that that starts to be um, blended but normally it's kind of people just kind of doing their own thing and operating on their own what 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 we've done over the last couple of months as a company overall is actually just go, okay, hold on a minute here. For example, our e-com business is our only store open right now. We need to make sure that, that that particular part of our business is resourced and serviced the best it can be. So rather than uh, collaborating, let's just, hold on a minute, there's a load of people over here that you know their role and their remit right now is completely restricted and limited. They can't do what they would normally do. So we've had a huge shift in personnel and resource to the company's priority. Mm. And I think one of the learnings from the company is that, you know, when, when we want to or when we need to, you can make wholesale transitions of of resource.
2: Right.
1: And so rather than just collaborating, um, but still staying with your own agenda, literally taking a collaboration to a whole new level. Yeah, sure. Take, take, take the team, take the headcount, take the time. So I think the, um, you know, as a company, we've definitely learned that, you know, we we talk about being an agile company, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to be an agile company when you you reach a certain size um, and everyone's got certain deliverables that need to be delivered. And so I think that's been a really interesting, I don't want to call it an experiment, but an interesting reaction and an opportunity to to do things differently um, and to really sort of not worry about. And the sense of uh, the fear of failure is not, is not there. It's more about the the, the sort of need to, to, to kind of fix a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's really interesting, you know, because we talk so much in sort of, you know, cultural work or teamwork about the importance of having something really compelling that everyone can buy into and they feel that they, you know, they are needed to contribute to it. And, and, it, and it, you know, it feels like from what you are describing there, it's been that, that real collective response to this is something that we all, can play our part in and need to play our part in, which sort of you know, dilutes some of that individual agenda, which is often in place as well. And we'd be interested to see about how that continues as well. So you know, beyond this as well. well
1: it's just it sort of changed the, um, the context in which we operate. And we operate in a, as a big company. And we've always had a little bit of almost the security of knowing that we'll be a big company by the end of the year, give or take. We've actually now got some jeopardy. And there's a little bit of, you know, it's almost we've gone to back to being a small business mindset. That if we don't, if we don't react, and if we don't make it work, and if we don't um, kind of make some changes and respond effectively, then, then there is some, there's some ramifications that are very real. So I think that's that's certainly heightened. As I said, the, we've got a very warm culture. We've got a very collaborative culture. People want to support. We love working for the brand. So I think what it's really done is really heightened that sense of wanting to help protect and, uh, and serve the brand.
0: And have you, have you seen that sort of collaboration? Has there been any collaborative alliances that have been particularly ignited in the last couple of months that, you've, that have been a sort of a really pleasant surprise? Or has there, has there been any sort of thing that, you know, you, you've, you're seeing different areas working together or sort of, you know, different conversations happening?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's a couple of obvious ones you know, we've got a, a retail team that look after our physical stores and we've got an e-com team that actually looks after everything online. Um, and, and, you know, the old online, offline, uh, you know, kind of how to kind of make that work together and all that sort of stuff. This is absolutely, you know, uh, enhanced. We've got two relatively new heads of those teams globally um, and it's proved to be a great, uh, a great opportunity for them to, to just really, you know, uh, as I say, um, start, or doing new things or or accelerating things that were already planned to be done. Um, we've seen um, the fact that, obviously, from a media perspective and advertising and marketing perspective, we've seen, um, obviously, a restriction of what we can do and what we can spend. So we've seen a huge collaboration around the business to make sure that we're effectively using our social media channels. Um, so we've seen all sorts of, uh, in terms of content creation, and Normally, you know, we do photo shoots, and, and it's a, a quite a complicated business. But we're seeing new ways of solving those problems, so that our, our assets and our athletes and our partners are actually creating our content for us. Right. So yeah, um, you know, the the home team um, campaign, if you want to call it a campaign, in terms of content that's being put together, has been a, a great example that, uh, as again, as a as a big company with lots of different um, products or campaigns or stories to tell. Um, actually having perhaps just one um, kind of one filter which is just um, showing how the brand can support at this time has really shown how lots of different people can collaborate to, to make that really
0: effective yeah yeah I, I must admit on my linkedin timeline i have never seen so many single shares of the same video as the we will be ready video that, sort of, that was put that was out a couple of weeks ago that just seems to have captured people and they just kind of have got behind that so much from
1: just across the whole of the organization? Yeah, well, again, it's sort of interesting timing, but we have actually got a a new CMO who rejoined the brand back in January of this year. Mm -hmm. So had been with the brand, but rejoined. So again, someone coming into that business, um, and obviously, you know, as a a new CMO, I'm sure, had had an agenda, had a plan. Mm That plan got thrown out the window after about three weeks of being in the company and, and we're actually reacting at that point. So um, it's interesting to see, but again, great uh, that he's um, he's really uh, leading the way with a, a great attitude and lots of lots of internal communication. So we have an internal uh, platform called Yammer and there's some really clear communication from him directly in terms of what's important to him and what he needs us to do. And um, that, uh, the, the campaign actually got launched by our internal employees being given uh, a 24-hour, if you like, window where we could share it first before um, any any media got put behind it or any assets shared it. So, um, a nice way of saying to the employees, you know, that they are the voice and the face of our brand.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah, you can could, you could tell that people were really proud to share it as well, and kind of, but as, as as well as the kind of, I guess, the very personal connection between sport and the brand for the people who work for Adidas as well. You can really sort of see that, you know, there there's a real hankering for the sport to be something that we can do again and we can get involved in and uh, you know, obviously i love the we will be ready thing because it you know, kind of fits in with performance readiness
1: to, uh, yeah well, i mean we're kind of lucky and not lucky that as a company who operate in sport we're mostly sports people and mm-hmm. um, i'm, I'm going to put in brackets failed sports people um uh, there are some that were successful and then came to the company after they had been successful in their sport but most of us tried to be athletes in our own right and um, so we're looking in terms of the business parallels with sport. Normally, you know, you can draw those very easily, um, and we we draw those just as as a default. We don't know any other way to talk about business other than sport. So you know, we talk about the company as the locker room, and um, we're all competitive, um, but we also appreciate team dynamics. Um, we do understand measures and KPIs because, you know, sports start keeping score and winning and losing. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting dynamic within our company that I don't think we, we necessarily know anything different. We don't know how to, to not operate in that way and to not keep each other motivated and accountable in a, in a sporting way.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned the kind of KPIs and the scoreboard. I'm just really interested. How's it been for you in kind of a you know an obvious retail role globally, where the scoreboard isn't really working anymore? How how's mm. that been for you, and do you think that's going to change anything going forward?
1: It's it's strange. Um, I'm trying to think of a, you know, the, the right metaphor. I'm sure that other people watching or listening will think of a better one. But you know, imagine watching uh, Man U versus Liverpool, and all of a sudden uh, the scoreboard just just stops, and people say, you know, there's no score. Yeah. You'd be watching a game, kind of going, "Well, yeah, what does that mean?" Um, you know, it's been really interesting. We we are obviously, yeah, we are driven to to achieve. We're yeah. driven to, die. as as business people and marketing people, we're driven to identify what the success looks like. Mm-hmm. And and that's probably been the best, if you like, the best reframing of this position. Of yeah, we we had certain goals, we had certain targets, and we had certain measures. You, you know, we we probably had too many, if I'm really honest. Um, we had far too many, um, but that's just the way of, way of, of doing business.
2: Yeah. Now
1: we have f- fewer, because obviously it's a it's a different it's a different game. Um, but it, it's a bit disorientating. It, it does leave you with a little bit of a sense of okay um, yeah i understand that that you know my score's is not the most important score anymore or my part in that score but at the same time I, we still have a, a role to play so um yeah um keeping score is important but just knowing it when you know what what part you play in it is, is the most important thing yeah
0: I, yeah it makes, makes me wonder are you going to be having different conversations that is focused on how are we performing with with much more confidence because you've been able to tune into, well, you know, how well are we doing the right stuff every day that we think is the right stuff that we believe is going to give us the best opportunity to start turning the scoreboard in the right direction when we get going again? Is, it, you know, is that going to be different globally because of different culture stuff? Do you, do you feel that there's an opportunity to have different conversations now?
1: Yeah, and um, I mean, just to give people maybe just a bit of uh, quick context that when I talk about my particular scoreboard, Probably good just to sort of articulate that from a city perspective, our scoreboard relates basically to the the business performing better in cities than overall. Mm-hmm. So um, the business believes that the cities obviously are the kind of hotbeds for consumers and you know the proven ground of, of kind of uh, the marketplace. So we've kind of set ourselves the ambition of of growing our business faster in these cities. So when I say my scorecard, my scorecards, scoreboard, sorry. Is um, you know, not as, uh, as as pertinent right now. It's because obviously growing faster in cities becomes less important and, and just more about protecting general business health. Um, moving forward, we're also at a really interesting time where we are, as a brand and as a business, we are constructing our new strategic business plan. So we had a business plan between 2015 and 2020.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And obviously, you know, the, the 2020 was due to be all about driving that home finishing with a sprint you know all these kind of sporting analogies that come back in um but now actually you know at the same time concurrently during 2020 we're constructing the svp for 2020 2025 so actually now that's it's giving us a new lens through which we construct that 2025 plan and i think it definitely gives me um, more sense of how to interact around cities with all the other parts of the business who are also being asked to contribute to that plan. And about how I can maybe, uh, how I need to find the right measure. I, can, I think that's really important. You, you know, to interact with lots of you, to, to have, deliver a strategy, you need everyone else to know that your part of that strategy is important. You can tell them that, and they say, and they nod.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. You, can, you can show my video and they might smile, but at some point when they walk out that room, there needs to be some, the, the main interaction with you and that person is going to be around the measurables. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, what are they being asked to deliver? What's their reputation based on? Mm. Their, their personal reputation is based on how they delivered what they were asked to deliver. So how do I and how do we as cities connect with what they've been asked to deliver? And if it doesn't connect, then, you know, then it, we're, we're not going to be in a position where, um, the, the strategy ultimately has been has been hung together, so um, that that is really yeah that's the, the the key challenge is is to identify that kind of right measure and it, and it might not be the the overall top top measure the top KPI it might be a more kind of um more of a performance measure that is more specific to that particular function, um, but we know if they hit that that ultimately that will then set up the the overall KPI.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can definitely hear a former goalkeeper talking as well, though, sort of knowing that, you know, you can keep, you can make some great saves, you can sort of have a great performance, but actually, you know, there, there's, there's goals conceded is always going to be an important part of the influence on the psyche for the match as well. So. And never,
1: never the goalkeeper's fault, by the way, it was, it was always someone else's.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So last one, Barry, I'm just, I've been asking everyone just to sort of reflect a little bit on, you know, personal energy. You've obviously got the kind of different ways of interacting now, We've kind of been in, lockdown in the uk for nearly eight weeks and and i'm just interested in terms of what have you noticed about your energy leadership energy energy around you has there been any particular observations or learnings or things you've done to, to help the energy
1: yeah i think i mean um having good habits and um, definitely something uh, one of my team members is is a, a very uh, very diligent person at reading lots of good books mm-hmm. and so is very good at giving me some sound bites but um at the same time I, what the one one thing that we connected on recently was about the the sort of forming of good habits right. and so from my perspective energy comes from um yes yeah, sport and fitness and health so um, I, I try to do some back garden garage uh, exercise every morning. Um, I talked a little bit about spending half an hour, 45 minutes. With, I've got three boys, so playing a bit of football in the back garden, you know, um, whenever the day finishes. Um, so I think it's important to make sure that you've got some some things that make you feel um, that you are, um, yeah, I would say just happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, the The other side of things in terms of energy is... I think you have to have a belief that you're driving towards something. I, I don't, I, I don't know what that is. It can, be, it can be a day by day, a week by week, a month by month. Yeah. But I think ultimately, if, if you're not driving, if you're just in you know, a daily survival mode, if you're just in weekly survival mode, or if you're in complete inertia as to you know, where are we, what are we doing? When's this going to end? All that sort of stuff. And again, my, my, um, just back to this optimistic point of view and practical, point of view. I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's making those decisions. I just know that X, Y, and Z, I can control this. I can't control that. I can control this. I've got an optimism that yeah, things are going to change, but at some point I'm going to be able to then either make the most of those changes or it's going to allow us to go back to whatever normal is. Um so the energy comes from me. It's this word of belief, the belief that you know we're going towards something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got specific, right now, I, I can't, this is so interesting to have so many people that are driven by so many challenges now that are new. Some people are trying to drive certain strategic initiatives. Some people are trying to drive a hell of a lot of business critical, you know, like if I don't get this done, the business goes under.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Other people have got a challenge of marketing has been frozen. You know, you guys are, you know, you're, you've been furloughed or whatever it might be right now. And you, you start, you're asking yourself the question of, well, what do I do? Where, where do I fit in to what goes next? So you, you, for me, somewhere in your mind is having that, that energy towards driving towards something in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it makes me come back to the, you know, the video and we will be ready. You know, when when, when there's a restart point, being ready for that and doing everything possible to, you know, be ready to then get back into action and, and, and get up, you know get momentum going again as well. So I think that's, you know, that whether that's a daily sense of having something to look forward to or a sort of, you know, something a little bit further on the horizon as well, or sort of a, a, a notional start line that is going to happen, we just don't know where. I think, I think that's really helpful um, to, to, you know, just to keep thinking about that. What, what's, what am I working towards? What, what difference am I making as well? Um, are you still getting energy from the rest of the team? Is that kind of helping as well?
1: Yeah, massively. Um, When I put the team together, um, I I talked to the team about wanting to form a team that felt like it was part of a a, a cycling peloton, whereby... Um, you know we i didn 't want to be the, the person that is always has to be at the front, always speaks first, always you know, just you know the old sunflower effect of yeah let 's wait for him to make a decision, even though we violently disagree with it we 'll just nod and go along with it so i said i need I need people who can come and, and if i 'm going too slow if i 'm not in doing the right things, then they go to the front and they drive and i've got it 's my job to keep up um, and that 's definitely something that I, I really enjoy that dynamic and we 've seen it um, across the team. You know, in lots of different examples where you know again, I, I look at their performance and just think that's, that's, a, that's a brilliant performance and I need to improve um, other times I, I hope that I do do that to them as well, and I kind of show them that direction, but that dynamic is something that we uh, hasn't changed we We just need to make sure, as I say we, we deliver it in the context of the situation that we 're in but um, we, we talk about two words that are, are very closely linked about progressing and impressing. Okay. And we've got, I've got a team that definitely want to do both. And it's about that dynamic of I want to progress and I want to be, you know, kind of go somewhere and be something and, and move either a, a more rounded person or obviously, you know, a more successful person. And we always talk about, well, that comes, but the first thing that you need to do is impress. Um, and you need to make sure that what you're doing right now is impressing and impressing the right people and impressing them in the right way. So for us, it's always just that um, constant, you know, kind of um, relationship of uh, are we doing the right things? Are we doing them in the right way? Are we impressing people? And are we collectively as a team making progress? And that would probably, when you talk about energy, we get huge energy from feeling that we've made progress. And even if it's the slightest thing, yeah. someone's mentioned something that we were trying to get them to mention versus a, a huge result in terms of a net sales achievement. And I think right now in this, this period right now, to feel like you've made progress on anything, personal or private, uh, again, that's that sense of heading towards something.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's a really nice the, – the Peloton image is a really nice one to kind of finish on as well, that sense that, you know, around us all at the, the moment, even though we're not connected, there may be people who are feeling they can sit at the front and set the pace, but there's some other people who are just quite happy to be able to tuck in and get you know get the drafting effect and kind of go, right – this is good, you know, I'm not having to work so hard, but I'm still getting pulled along by someone else. And, and having that acceptance of those different roles, I think, is, is, is really powerful. And keep communicating, I'm ready to go to the front, right, that's good, because I I could do with a little bit of a breather. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's a great, great image to finish with. And uh, thank you for your insights and, uh, and your very general sharing, Barry. It's been uh, really great to uh, hear those different thoughts and uh, looking forward to getting this up on the performance room. Uh, so that other people can take advantage of it and listen to it. And and thank you, as I said earlier on, for being the last person in the high-performance survival uh, process, because next week we are changing the theme. We are creating a relay podcast or a podcast relay. So Dame Catherine Granger is going to be the first person next week who is going to be talking about, if I knew then what I know now. So the theme is going to be a very specific then and a moment in time in history and then a conversation about what does Catherine know now that what has resulted from that particular situation or would be really useful had she known that then. Um, and then at the end of the conversation that I have with Catherine, she is going to let me know who she's handing the baton over to as the person that she wants to hear from who is going to be having the conversation with me about if they knew then what they know now. And so we're going to get a relay going where previous person is going to hand on to someone else so we'll see who we end up talking to as a result of the relay so um uh it's going to be exciting to see where we go and making sure that most people are available on a friday afternoon as well will be one of those uh uh requirements as well but um a great one to finish on today barry looking forward to getting this one going out next week and live on youtube as well so uh, uh wish you all a very good rest of the day barry thank you very much again your time very well uh, very much appreciated and uh, stay safe everyone and I look forward to seeing you on the next um new phase of this particular initiative so uh, take care thanks again bye-bye